0: It is good to be, uh, be able to be together today to worship and to be led in worship by our students. It's always good to, to be able to come and bring the word, uh, to bring the word of God uh, to the people of God. So uh, I'm excited, but haven't those students done a great job today? You know, it is our goal. It is our goal when we're up here, to lead our congregation in, music, in worship through music. And I hope that's what we've done today. Um, our goal is not to be up here to perform um, or to showcase any talents, uh, but we want to lead our church in worship. Um, so we ask as we go through the word here and as we sing again in a little bit that you would um, seek to have a heart of worship. As I said, it's good to be able to be in front of all of you to speak today to open God's word. Um, Thursday when we were practicing, Jake asked me if I was nervous. And I said, always, always nervous when you're opening the word of God. Now, as far as public speaking, not so much. I mean, I've done that enough now that um, I've made a fool of myself in front of people long enough that I'm not nervous. Uh, to speak in front of people, but whenever you open the Word of God, there should always be some nerves, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you're standing behind the pulpit and preaching, whenever you handle the Holy Word of God, there should always be a little bit of nerves. But then I told him one thing that, is, that always happens is as soon as the person that's speaking or teaching opens their mouth, the Holy Spirit brings this calmness, and the Holy Spirit takes over. You see, God calls us to be available more so than able. God calls us to be obedient, and when we are obedient, He will bless whatever it is that He has called us to do. We're going to talk about that a little bit when we get into uh, into our scripture, um, but before we begin with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your Word. Lord, I pray this morning as we take a few moments to look into your Word, Lord, that you would speak to us through it. Lord, that you would remind us the power of your word. You would remind us, Lord, the gift you have given us. The scriptures, Lord. The scriptures that say they came directly from your mouth. So, Lord, I pray this morning as we look into those scriptures, you would speak to us. We thank you and we love you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is the end of January. Y'all know what that means, right? The end of January? That means that 64% of New Year's resolutions are no more. 64% are done. But for the other 38% of you, don't worry. By the end of the year, 78% of you will be done too. Which leaves a grand total of 8% of success rates for New Year's resolutions. So eight, only 8% of New Year's resolutions are actually uh, carried out. As a matter of fact, back in November, Tyler and myself started going back to the gym again, I'm working out, I'm trying to get in shape. You can probably tell with Tyler, with me, Um, I've worked out some, but I've done this kind of working out a lot too. So, uh, but we're getting there, Um, but we've been faithful. We've gone six days a week uh, for eight weeks. And was it, last week, we pulled up to the gym about, I think it was Wednesday, about 5.30 in the morning, and Tyler looked at the parking lot and said, Daddy, I guess it's not New Year's anymore, because there was nobody there. But I can tell you now, when we went there on January 2nd, it was full. It was full. Now, I promise this is not a New Year's resolution sermon. Um, But there is one thing I want to take from this. So before we continue, I do want to go through the top ten New Year's resolutions that people make. Number one is people say, I want to exercise more. Number two is lose weight. Number three is get organized. Number four is learn a new skill or a new hobby. Number five is to live life to the fullest. Now, when I saw that one, I thought I was first. I was like, "Well, what does that really mean? Live life to the fullest?" And then I thought of John 10:10. 10, 10. We can tell people how to live life to the fullest. Jesus said that the thief comes to to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life to the full. So if you ever hear somebody say that they want to live life to the fullest, they have given you an opportunity to share the gospel. John Start at John 10, 10. Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life to the full. Number six is save money or spend less. Number seven is quit smoking or quit drinking. Number eight is to spend more time with family and friends. Number nine, travel more. And then number 10 is to read more. Well, then after I looked that up, I said, well, there wasn't really any uh, resolutions that had anything to do with uh, faith and Christianity, and everybody I know makes resolutions um, about their faith. So I looked that up in the top 10 for those, number one was read and study the Bible every day. Number two was to attend church regularly. Number three, serve or serve more in the church. Number four, pray more. Number five, be more Christ-like. Number six, avoid living in open sin. Number seven, boldly witness to others. Number eight, worry less or trust God. Number nine, be a better parent. And number ten, use less profanity. Now first I must say this before we move on. Faith-based resolutions can be good, but they can also reveal a danger. We must be careful that we don't make promises or resolutions to God out of a feeling of obligation to, um, as I say, quote-unquote, do the things or check the boxes. Uh, In other words, works, to do works so that we might improve our standing with God. God is more interested in where our hearts are, our love for Him. He's more interested in being our Lord than just doing the things or checking the boxes. Several times in Scripture we see this. In the Old Testament, in First 1 Samuel 1522 this is in response to King Saul's disobedience to the Lord. But Samuel replied, "Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams." And then also in Hosea 6 six we see Hosea addressing Israel's constant disobedience and their reliance on sacrifice. This one says, For I desire not sacrifice and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. He, he desires the service of God rather than sacrifice and burnt offerings. And this reminds me of what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. Paul says in Romans 6, 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And then in verse 11, it says, In the same way, count yourselves as dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. If we are in Christ, we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. Jesus has changed the heart of the individual who has called on him. For forgiveness. So don't let us think that making promises or saying I'm going to do something for the Lord makes us right with God. God is more interested in us loving Him and declaring and really submitting to Him as Lord rather than doing anything that uh, the church or the world or whoever would say you need to do to please God. God is concerned with the state of our heart. So with that that in mind, I do want to look today at that first faith-based resolution, which was reading God's word more. We are living in a time in church history where the truth of the gospel is under attack. Now we the truth of the gospel has always been under attack. If you want to really see um, how much the gospel has been under attack, go back and study how we got the 66 books of the Bible that we have today. Um, how those scriptures came into canon. And then all the other things that were tried to, to be put in there and that people tried to insert into what God's Word um, would be. But God, in His, in His infinite wisdom, directed what would be in the 66 books that we have but the, the truth today is under attack, especially with the presence of social media. Everyone has and shares their opinion on social media. One of my former youth group friends that I grew up with posted this um, just the other day. Um, and if you can't see that, it says, this should be required reading before anyone can open a social media account. And it's the book, Love Your Enemies by author C. Brooks. Everybody shares their opinion on social media, and quite often um, they share it without love, without love and without grace. Um, everyone shares their opinions. Maybe sometimes they should. Most of the time they probably shouldn't. But there are so many voices in this world saying, what is truth? You may hear phrases like truth to me or my truth. Some of this is going on in our community right now. Right now. There is some of this going on in our community. It is really, really important. It is vital to the church that we read the Word for ourselves and understand what the Word says. Because it does not take long for the neglect of the Word to result in a society that has forgotten who... God really is. Judges 2.10 says, After that, a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord or what he had done for Israel. This was right after Joshua died. It took one generation uh, for the people of Israel to forget all about what God had done for them. That reminds me of the world we live in today. We see the same type of wording in Exodus 1. Um, when it says, eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about what Joseph had done. Um, Just another generation uh, can come up behind us um, who will forget about what the Lord has done if we don't pass on what the Lord has given us. It does not take long for sin to get a foothold and lead a generation away from the things of God. That is why we, the church, need the word to remind us of our desperate need for christ you see we sang a song earlier come thou fount that has a line that we are prone to wander without the lord's work in our heart we will wander away from the truth of the gospel um, in a heartbeat we all need constant reminders of what christ has done for us this is especially important for our young people With so many voices telling our young people what to believe, it is imperative that all of us together and unitedly speak the truth of the gospel to our children over and over and over. I shared these next verses with you about a year ago about how important it is to share the gospel with our young people. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 5 through 9. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk with them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You see, raising up the next generation in the ways of the Lord, starts at home. It is the calling of the parents, the calling of the grandparents. But the responsibility falls on all of us. And really these verses apply to all of us. As I said before, we all need constant reminding of the gospel. But we also need to be constantly reminding others of the go- gospel. Our, to our family, to our fellow believers, and to this world. You know, we have been given the greatest tool to do this the word of God but sadly the word of God is grossly neglected Um, now there are places in this world where believers don't have the freedom to open up the word of God there are places in this world where if you own a copy of the bible you can be thrown in jail Um, the lack of biblical but the lack of biblical knowledge um, in the bible belt can be scary this is something that has been on my heart for the better part of two or three years now. Um, the lack of biblical knowledge in quote unquote American Christian churches. Now we have seen growth here at Piney Grove in this, um, in this area, I will say. And we have seen um, a lot of people getting excited about being in the word and reading the word. And I think that has a lot to do with. Um, with having a pastor who preaches expositorily through the Bible. And I'm thankful for Pastor Larry and his faithfulness to the Word um, through, uh, for preaching through a book of the Bible, every verse, and displaying the importance of knowing God's Word and hiding all of God's Word in our heart. But in a world where truth is under attack, it is vitally important for us as Christ followers to actually know what we claim as truth. To actually know what we claim we believe, we must know what we claim to believe. In the days of the, or the days of I was I believe it because I was raised that way. Those days need to be gone. We need to read it for ourselves and know what the Word of God says, and know what we believe. So, like I said, this has been weighing on me for a while, personally and as a pastor. For most of my life, I have read the Bible. I've studied. The Bible. I studied the Bible in college. Um, I've studied the Bible on my own. I've done devotionals since I was a teenager. Um, I've read and studied whole books of the Bible, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've studied the Bible most of my life. Um, But two years ago, the Lord just really put it on my heart to begin reading through the entirety of the Bible in the course of a year. Um, and I, I committed to do that. I picked a plan where I read through the Bible um, chronologically in the order that everything happened. Um, and it was amazing. It renewed my love for the Word. Um, it opened up things that I had never noticed in the Word before. And, you know, I remember my mama telling me this when I was real little. I mean, she's here with us today. Um, she said, trying to explain to me what, how the Word of God was, is alive and active. I remember her saying, you can read a verse as an old person, that you've read your whole life, and the Lord will speak to you through it in a different way than He ever has. And you know, I, that is something that has stuck with me my whole life, and I've seen to be true over and over again. Um, but when I read through the scriptures in that chronological order, to be able to read it as a story how it happened, um, it, was, it was great, I can tell, and I can tell you this. If you commit to reading through the Word And you just commit to doing it and you do it and you sit down and are disciplined and read the word god will bless that god will bless it he will make it where you begin to look forward to it he will make it where you feel off if you miss a day or two and we have so many resources today to be in god's word Uh, we have the phone app the bible app on the phone um, you guys probably see me sit right down here every Sunday morning and open up my iPad and read along with Pastor Larry when he preaches. That's how I prefer <coughs> to read it is on my iPad. We have um, a ton of translations of the Bible. If you don't know which translation to get, see me or Pastor Larry and we will help you with that. Uh, we have, you can get a chronological printed Bible. Um, there's tons of reading plans. If you take out your bulletin right now and look on the back page, um, there's a reading plan on your bulletin to be able to read through the Bible. In a year. Now, I share that with you, and I share your, kind of my story about um, reading through the Bible in a year to share this. This past year, my students have heard this already, but this past year, um, 2022, was my second time reading chronologically through the Bible. And on December 21st, which was day 355, my reading for that day was Hebrews 1 through 6. And when I got to chapter 5, the last few verses, I had to put it down and stop. Now, before I tell you why I had to put it down and stop, I want to say that Hebrews, in my opinion, is one of the most important books in the New Testament. And the reason I say that, you've heard us teach that the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of the Bible, is one big narrative. It's one story from beginning to end. God's story of redemption. The book of Hebrews lays that out. The word is one story of, one overarching story of redemption. Um, Spurgeon said this when when talking about this. Traditionally, he is quoted as saying, I take my text, whatever he's preaching, and I make a beeline to the cross. You see, whatever you're reading in the Bible is pointing toward the cross. It's pointing toward the story of redemption. All scripture is the narrative of the gospel. You remember how Larry said when he preached through uh, Deuteronomy, what was the heading? It's God's word too. All scripture is pointing to the same goal. Um, Really, you could break it down into into four parts. Part number one is God created the world perfect. Genesis 1 and 2 tells us about God's creation, how everything was created in God's design and perfection. Um, The second part of the narrative is man rebelled and turned to self. Man rebelled from God as Lord and turned to self. Did you know that all sin starts with the belief of the same lie? Every sin that's ever committed starts with the belief of the same lie. Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden?" You see, all sin starts with that lie. Did God really say, is God's way the best way? And then we twist God's word to fit it to what we want it to say. That's how all sin starts, is questioning, did God really say, is God's way the best way? We believe, and then that leads to us believing that we can do it better than God, or at least for myself, I can do it better than God. And then that leads to, I can be God. Listen to what Genesis 3, 5 says. For God knows that when you eat from, when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like, like God, knowing good from evil. So we turn from submitting to God, from God being our master. All sin is, is us believing that God's way is not best. We turn from that and we lift ourselves up. As, as master, as Lord, is what is best. Mankind's lostness is not so much wrapped up in the bad things we do. Uh, now, let me say this. Holy living is important. Don't hear, don't hear me say we can go live however we want to. We are called to live holy. But mankind's lostness is not so much wrapped up in the bad things we do, but rather the fact that we have lifted up ourselves as Lord. You see, sins with an S, sins are the symptom of sin, the, the place of our heart. Our heart is infected with sin, the sin nature that is on every person who believes that was passed down from Adam from the very beginning. Sins, the things we do, are just a symptom of a sick heart. So that's the second part of the narrative. First, God created the world perfect. Second, man rebelled, and his heart was made sick with sin. And then third, God set in motion the rescue plan. After this, from Genesis 3 on, the rest of the Old Testament is pointing forward to Jesus, who is that rescue. And then finally, the last uh, part of the narrative of the scripture is redemption. Or his restoration, when God will set everything back the way it was, the way it was intended, God's per- perfect creation. And we know that happens because of the res- rescue plan through Jesus. So, the reason I think Hebrews is so important it is, is it explains in detail how Jesus is the culmination and completion of the Old Testament promises and the Old Testament law. It explains things like Jesus' divinity, Jesus' humanity. So that he could live and die in our place. It describes Jesus as the true prophet. It describes Jesus as the true and final high priest. The, the, the true and final mediator between man and God. It describes Jesus as the perfect and final sacrifice. And then finally, it gives us encouragement to grow in our faith. And live out our faith. So back to December 21st. When I was reading through Hebrews chapter 5. I had just read about Jesus being God's son. Jesus being greater than the angels. The sinless man. Greater than Moses. How he's the perfect high priest. The author of Hebrews is laying this out. And then all of a sudden I get to verse 11 through 14 of chapter 5. And in all of this great theology. Here's what I read. We have much to say about this but it is hard to make it clear because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by, the time, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word over or all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use... Have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So, right in the middle of all of this uh, deep theological teaching, the author just stops and says, You know, I want to tell you more, but you haven't been diligent enough to grow in your faith to where you can even understand what I've been telling you. And that just, it just kind of floored me. I was like, This is something that has been on my heart for years um, for myself personally. Um, for the church in our community, for the church in America of just bi- people not being um, committed to reading the words for themselves and learning what they believe. And here in the first century church, we see that same thing was going on. And that floored me, but it was also a little bit encouraging because we see where there are many victories that the first, uh, the first century church had as well. And we're going to see that um, over the course of the next few months as larry continues to preach through the book of acts Um, but it has always been a struggle for god's people to be in the word and we are always called or we are called to fight against that temptation to let whatever is going on in life to keep us from learning and knowing god's word on our own after these verses the author goes right back to connecting jesus to the deep truths of the old testament but just in that moment, this stood out to me. The struggle of spiritual growth and the lack thereof is nothing new in the church. Look at verse 12, the first half of that. It says, in fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need, but you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. We are called to grow, to learn, and to understand and what's the purpose of us being called to grow, learn, and understand? It says it right here. To pass it on. We need to teach what we have learned about Christ. Remember those verses we looked at in Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy chapter 6. I highlighted a few things here. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them, When you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. The gospel should flow out of every part of our lives. Every believer should be able to share the gospel with someone, and lead someone to Christ without the help of a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or whoever else. We are all called to know what we believe and take that message to the world. Every one of us are called to do that. We are all preachers and evangelists in some form or fashion. Verses, the second half of verse 12 and verse 13. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. This reminds me of the verses from 1 Peter that Weston read for us earlier. 1 Peter 1, or 2, 1-3, through 3, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, and of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good the imagery here is clear how does a baby grow a baby grows through sustenance through food what is our spiritual food or spiritual sustenance god has given us the spiritual disciplines being in the word bible reading prayer worship evangelism giving fasting those are just some of the spiritual disciplines i'll say those again if if you take notes write these down and then i would encourage you give yourself a grade on these from time to time Bible reading, prayer, worship, evangelism. That's just sharing your faith. Giving and fasting. We're going to continue focusing on that first one. Focusing on Bible reading, being in the Word. Here are some alarming stats. Less than 30% of people will ever read of believers will ever read through the entire Bible. Now some of this, as I said earlier, is not by neglect. There are places in the world that don't have a copy of the Bible in their language. There are places where it's illegal to own a Bible. And you know what's sad? A lot of these places where it's illegal to own a Bible, the Christians in those communities are more committed to reading the Word than we are in the American church. But here's an exceedingly sad fact. 82% of Christian Americans only read their Bibles on Sunday while in church. You know, we have, as I said earlier, we have access like never before. We have the Bible on our phone. You can go to Walmart and buy a printed Bible. There are devotional guides that we can find anywhere. And I would encourage you, if you have been doing devotionals or small reading plans, that is great. That is good. That's a great place to start But if you're like me and that's what you had done your whole life, um, you know, like I said, from when I was a teenager um, up until just a few years ago, that was how I did my personal Bible reading. I'd encourage you to move on to some more solid food, as it says there in Hebrews 5. Move on to um, some more meaty food, if you will. Uh, Stuff that will help you grow in your maturity, um, in the Word. Um, I saw this post um, earlier this week. Uh, it said, if you read the first chapter of a novel, then the fourth, the 14th, then go back to the 6th, then to the 40th, you will not fully grasp the, sp- the storyline. So with the Bible, it is one book. It must be read from beginning to end to fully grasp the message. Haphazard reading produces haphazard understanding. Now you know this was a social media post because the second word there, they didn't spell out Y-O-U. They just said you. Um, but I don't fully disagree with this. The last two lines I, I have a little bit of an issue with. Um, um, saying that uh, anyone who doesn't read the scripture from front to back is reading it haphazardly. Um, I, I think that uh, most people are, are, are authentic when they are reading the word. Um, and I know that God works through reading and learning small pieces of scripture. Um, God's word tells us in Hebrews 4.12 that it is alive and active. That God's word um, speaks to us. That it cuts like a double-edged edged sword. It convicts us of our sin. It reveals to us how we need to grow. God uses small individual pieces of scripture. So don't misunderstand me when I say that. But I do think there is something good to take from this, um, this idea here as well. Um, that for us to fully grasp and learn the narrative of scripture we need to read through it in its entirety as individuals we need to know, we are called to know god's word god has given us this gift and we need to be um, committed to reading that gift we need to seek that more solid food um, do a full read-through plan it doesn't have to be one year it can be a two-year plan a three-year plan like i said there's so many of those out there But if we're going to live out what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if we're going to teach the Word to those under our influence, if we're going to continually talk about the Word, walk in the Word, write the Word, if we're going to do that in our house, wherever we walk, when we lie down, um, at the gates um, of wherever our gates would be, as it's talking about there in Deuteronomy 6, if we're going to do that, it's going to take more than just reading a few verses in the morning. We have to be in the Word on our own. And look, if you don't know where to start... Like I said, download the Bible app. There's a ton of stuff there. Look on the back of your bulletin. Read that reading plan. Or talk to me and Larry. We will, we will be glad to help point you in the right direction to get you started on reading the Word in a deeper way. Back to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 again. In fact, in fact by this time you ought to be teachers. We are called again to pass on what we have learned. You know, I think of the Apostle Paul in his writings. He often would say, I pass on to you what we first received. We are are called to pass on. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a speaker. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have family? Do you have friends? Do you have co-workers, classmates, teammates? You have an influence of people. There is an influence that God has given you. He has placed people around you that he wants you to, quote-unquote, teach. God has called all of us, every believer, again, to be a teacher, an evangelist. Therefore, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, make disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the ends of the age. Jesus is telling his disciples here, go make new disciples. Everywhere, around the whole globe, go make new disciples. And then in verse 20 he says, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. We are called to be, made, to be disciple makers. And this is passed down to every disciple of Christ. And if you have called on Christ to to be your Lord, to follow him, you are a disciple of Christ. This is passed down to you and me. We are called to be disciple makers. Every command given to the disciples is passed on to us, the new disciples. And we are commanded to pass it on to others and train them up to become disciple makers. So maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know what to say. And that's the whole reason why it's important to be in God's Word. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm in God's Word, but I get nervous and I'm scared I'll say something wrong. Again, God will bless obedience. God will bless it if we are in His Word. He will lead you to what you should say. The Holy Spirit will bring back things you have read and learned. And if there's one thing that I can speak from experience on, it is, it is this idea. I can't tell you how many times I've had a student or just a, a church member or just a person come and ask me a question about something spiritual. And the Holy Spirit just brought something up, back up that I read long ago or I hadn't thought of in a long, long time. And I know it didn't come from me. I'm, I'm too much of a country redneck to, to think about stuff smart. But the Lord brings things back. I always say that it was obvious that the Lord led me into ministry um, just by the fact that I passed um, all the writing classes that it took uh, for me to pass school, to pass college, uh, because I would write like I talk. And it would look, the, the red ink on the paper would look like the, uh, the professor had had an accident and bled all over the paper. Um, but the Lord, the Lord will bless... Obedience. If you are obedient to lead people toward Christ, to share your faith, uh, the Lord will bring back stuff that you have read, stuff that you have learned. Um, He will be um, faithful to that. And and here's an encouraging part. He doesn't call us to do this alone. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is a great comfort in the realm of evangelism and discipleship. God gave us the calling to a ministry that he does all the work. He says all of this is from God. Um, This here is the gospel. All of the gospel is from God. God's saving work that makes us a new creation. One of the greatest fears people have in sharing the gospel is rejection. But it's not up to us. John 6, said, No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. We don't have to worry about convincing, persuading, or saving. God just calls us to be obedient. He doesn't want our ability. He wants our availability. Remember how in 1 Peter, the Western Red, it said for us to crave pure spiritual milk so that we would grow in our faith? And then how... In Hebrews 5, it said, um, seek solid food to grow any, even further in our faith. Look at what it says in just, a couple, just one chapter over in 1 Peter. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. God has called us all to proclaim the gospel and train up or disciple those who he places under our influence. We have this role, whether we want it or not, we have it. We have this calling that God has placed on every believer. As I said, everyone has a circle of influence. You have people in your life that look at you to see who Christ is. Everybody has someone in their life that they know you're the Christian that they know. You're the one who goes to church. There's a phrase that I've heard over and over, you may be the only Bible someone would ever read. Uh, I think also of um, that scripture I just read from 2 Corinthians where it calls us the ambassadors of Christ. We represent Christ to people. God has given us a circle of influence, co-workers, classmates, and friends. So how does your life speak to who Christ is to those around you? With that thought, I want to wrap up um, with speaking to parents and to grandparents. I shared some of this about a year ago, but I think it's important to do that again um, as we've been here today being led by our students. Uh, I want to speak to um, the calling that we have as parents. And we can apply this, if you don't have any kids or grandkids, you can apply this to your life as well because we're all still called to raise up that next generation. As parents, we have been given the incredible and heavy responsibility of raising up our children in the ways of the Lord. As parents, we are the number one influencer of our child. That's why those verses in Deuteronomy 6 um, said to always have the gospel on our lips, to teach them to our children. We are the first Bible they ever read. That phrase of you're the only Bible someone may ever read, we're the first Bible our kids will ever read. Before our kids can read, before our kids can speak, they are seeing how We love God, serve God, come to church, participate in the things of God. Where we show commitment and priority, eventually our kids will show commitment and priority. The church is here to assist and equip you and to come alongside you, but God has given the family the primary role of raising up children in the ways of the Lord. Some stats that I've shared before, but they bear repeating. Um, from the Prom- from Promise Keepers and Baptist Press, stats on church attendance. People who's, who both parents attended church have a 72% chance to attend church as adults. If just their father attended church, 55% will attend church as an adult. If just their mother attend, 15% will attend as an adult. And if neither, then 6% will attend as an adult. Another survey, Um, If a child is the first in their family to become a Christian, only 3.5% of the time does the whole family convert to Christ. If the mother is the first, 17% of the time the whole family converts. If the father is the first, 93% of the time the whole family will convert. Parents, particularly fathers, the Bible tells us and statistics tell us that God has given us A calling, a great calling. How do we do this? We have to be in the Word. We have to know the Word. We have to have the Word, as it says in Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, 4 4 through 9. We have to um, have these words that He commands us, they shall be on our heart. We have to teach them diligently. To our children, we have to talk about them when we sit down in the house. We have to, and when we walk by the way, and when we lie down, and when we rise up. We have to bind them as a sign on our hand. They shall be as frontlets between our eyes. We should write them on the doorpost of the house and on our gate. We must love God and live out our faith and be an example to those that God has entrusted us with all the time. It should be in every part of our lives, not just Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday. It should be through all of our life, all of our life. We should seek constantly opportunities to talk and teach the truths and the ways of God to our kids. Talk about them in the car on the way to and from school, at the dinner table, while you are getting ready in the morning. Or getting, or getting ready for bed. Write a scripture with a dry erase marker on your mirror. Let the gospel ever be on the tip of your tongue. Let the gospel ever be on the tip of your tongue. And when you are in his word deeply, this becomes Natural. We must, in church, we must come alongside parents, to assist in this. The idea of I have put my time, put in my time or paid my dues is sinful and selfish. We all are called to raise up the next generation. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I don't say it enough. I'm incredibly thankful for those of you who have come alongside of me and Tracy to help instill the values of Christ in Tyler and Bethany. And when they are grown, as long as I'm physically able, Lord willing, I will do all I can to help raise kids coming up behind me. You never age out of serving God and serving our children. And to bring us back to what we've talked about this morning, to train up those under us, under our influence, including our children, we must be committed to growing in the Word. Of God ourselves. Paul says, I pass on to you what I have received. We cannot pass on what we don't have. So to wrap up, maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I've never truly followed Christ as Lord. You know, I've tried to do the things or check the boxes to please God, but I've never called out to Christ to do what only he can do, and that's changed my heart. You know, the word word makes it clear. In in the book of Romans chapter 3, it tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6 tells us what our sin has earned us, and that is death and separation from God forever. It says the wages of sin is death. But then it says the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, 8 says while we were yet sinners, before we ever did anything to come to Christ, Christ died for us. And then Romans 10, 9 through 13 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is, and is saved For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if that's you today, if you've never called on the name of the Lord to be saved, you're going to have an opportunity to do that here in just a moment. We're going to sing a song. Pastor Larry will be down here, or you can talk to us afterwards. If you've never submitted to Christ, today's the day. I don't care how long you've come to church. I don't care how much you've served. If you've never submitted to Christ as Lord, today is the day. Maybe God is calling you to commit to reading His Word. Look, you don't have to start that on January 1st. You can start that today. You can commit today to being God's Word for yourself and learn what the Scriptures say. And let me also say this. Uh, if, if you're part of the, I it, 67% of people who failed their uh, New Year's resolutions. If you, if you committed to start reading at the beginning of the year and you've fallen off, pick back up. It's okay. Pick back up. If you don't finish your yearly reading plan on December 31st, that's okay. If you finish it in February, great. You will have read through the whole Bible. And then you can start over again. And it's just as good the second time and the third time. But if that's you today, if... if God's calling you to be more in his word. Just commit to doing it. And do it one day at a time. And I promise you, God will bless it. You will seek to do it. You will miss it when you don't. And third, maybe you're a parent or a grandparent. You know, this is not a, necessarily a promotion for our small groups, but I am going to tell you about one that's coming up. Maybe you're a parent or a grandparent and you want to take serious the calling you have to... Raise up the next generation. Well, coming up when we start our small groups, we're going to have a small group for parents. We're going to go through this book by uh, David Tripp called Parenting 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. And we're not going to spend a majority of the time in this book. We're going to read it together and discuss it. But really, we're going to spend time praying for our families, praying for our kids. Uh, praying for each other, that we would be the people God has called us to be, sharing concerns and burdens. And when I, and I say that, um, this is going to be a small group. So maybe 10 or 12 total, but if God's calling you to be a part of that, let me know. I will put your name down. I hope that we have way more than 10 or 12 where we have to do a second one and somebody else will have to facilitate that. And if God's leading you to do that, let me know. But we want to be a small group where we can come together and openly share and pray for each other. But however God's dealing with you today, if it's to come to the Lord for the first time, to be in His Word, um, to commit to the calling God has given you as a parent, I pray that you, you would be obedient to that. Would you pray with me?